On November 16, 1982, an SUV was found in the middle of the desolate Wyoming prairie. The doors were open, the engine was running, and clothes and belongings were found scattered all over the highway. The owner of the car, 35-year-old Don Kemp, is nowhere in sight. Four years after he disappeared, Don's body was found a few miles from where the blazer was abandoned. The sheriff believes Don froze to death in the blizzard three days after he was lost, but Don's mother believes it was murder. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Don Kemp. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in Georgia. It is unseasonably warm two days before. It's strange, man. It was so cold a few weeks ago, and now it's just, I don't know. I don't get Georgia. I don't understand it. I don't either, but, you know, it is what it is. We are recording the day before Thanksgiving, and you will probably not hear this for at least a couple weeks. Well, we're doing it for y'all. That's right. For the 12 people. That subscribe. The loyal 12. The dirty dozen, as it were. That's right. This week's beer, since we cannot get... Simultaneous. Here we go. One, two, three. Nice. Since we cannot get <laughs> Wyoming beer... Oh, God, no. We have procured from Young Kylie the Bearded Irish Double Scatterbrain. You can't, you're not getting Wyoming beer in Georgia. No. And that, that's probably more the, the fault of Wyoming breweries. They probably have no desire to, to extend no. into Georgia. This is a double IPA, and it is delish. Oh, it smells very good. Mmm. But I haven't had a bad beer from Bearded Iris, but you have. Yeah. Just tell me about it. What was that one? I do not like the pep talk, but I've never it, even heard of it. Obviously, there has a following because it's one of their mainstays. But what kind of beer is it? I think it's a lager, but I'm not sure. Mm. They need to stick with the IPAs. But anyway, everyone needs to stick with IPAs. In my humble opinion, we are tackling the case. Of Don or Donald Kemp. And we tap the we tap the <laughs> well of unsolved mysteries again. No no no. We didn't just tap the well of unsolved mysteries. This is the pilot. This is numer is not only the pilot, it is the first Case. Uh, case on the pilot. This is a numero. Mr. Uno. Raymond Burr himself is the one that did this one. Before. Yeah. Before Robert Stack. That's right. And then they revisited it again with, uh, who was the guy that did the reboot? Uh, Dennis Farina. That's right, oh. Dennis Farina. But we I mean, will be referencing, once again, the lovely website sitcomsonline.com. <laughs> I really, I really disliked, uh, well, I, mean, I don't say disliked. I didn't really care for the uh, Dennis Farina episodes. They were just rehashing of all the old ones. I wish they would have done some new newer ones. ones yes, yeah. yeah. But apparently, Netflix is is reviving the show, which 
I had heard they were. I can't wait. I'm talking. You want? I mean, I'm just gonna tell everybody in my house to shut up. Get some popcorn. We're gonna watch every damn episode, start to finish. Sit, sitcoms. Did you say sitcoms.com again? Sitcomsonline.com. Why, why, why are they delving into un, unsolved? They have mysteries? a whole forum on the unsolved mysteries TV show, and then each in that forum, people will pick cases. It's I, and I, so it's the most strange. random. It's so strange. And if you that. don't search for the case name and sitcoms online, you can't find it. They bury that shit. That's Weird. It is weird, but they it is referenced all over Reddit. Cause this is like the fourth or fifth time. Every, well, every time we have a unsolved, unsolved mysteries case. Yeah. So Donald Kemp was a he's an advertising executive on Madison Avenue, Madison Avenue in New York City, New York City. Well, subpar salsa. <laughs> he According did. To Pace yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> he did suffer a traffic accident, and they said that it debilitated him, but I couldn't find out what kind of... I couldn't find any information on that either, but it basically almost took his life and... Made him rethink his... Yeah, he was hurt really bad. Yeah, made him rethink completely his... Completely rethought his whole purpose in life. He recovers at well enough to drive and walk, and uh, <laughs> he decides that the big city's not for him. He leaves... New York City and the advertising job, and he starts focusing his efforts on writing a book on the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. He decides during the process of writing that he is going to pick up roots, pack all his shit up, and travel to Wyoming. Which, if you're going to I don't know. If you're going to research the assassinate and write a book about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, wouldn't D.C. be a better choice? Yeah, or Library of Congress. I mean, Indiana or Illinois or somewhere. <laughs> but anyway. But I've never, again, I've never been to Wyoming yet, but I'm sure it's just beautiful. I've heard I'm a couple sure of people say it is. Um, so he's... Heading out to Wyoming, and I love how some of the articles and threads state his SUV. No, it was 1987. There was no SUV. He was driving a big, old-school Blazer. Well, I mean, that is It's an technically SUV, an SUV, but, but back yeah. then, it was not an SUV. That's an awesome vehicle. Yeah, it is. Especially if you're going to Wyoming. Hell yeah. So, they locate this Chevy Blazer on a ramp, and it's 40 miles from any town. When the cop comes up to the car, it is still running. Shit. That's good. Yep. You did a good job right there. Yeah. Awesome. Running. Running. When the cop approaches the vehicle, he states that the engine was still running and all of Kemp's belongings were strewn around the vehicle. So even with, we're talking, even if it's a full tank of gas... How long do you assume it would take for it to... Oh, that thing gets like six or eight miles a gallon. I'm so, just saying. If you, I mean, it's fresh. I mean, completely full. How long does it just idle until it runs out of gas? I'd say you'd have a couple of hours, four hours max. Probably more than that, but... But he had driven, so it's not like... I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere, and he had driven 40 miles. So if it gets... We'll be conservative, say so it gets eight miles to a gallon. 
that's five gallons of gas to get him to where he was at. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clearly it's not full just no. to get out in the middle of nowhere. So. Right. But for the fact that they found the car still idling means he can't be that far away. And they state that they see a set of footprints leading into the snow out into the prairie. So they call in search and rescue plane. And this is an actual sheriff's deputy. And he circles and circles from the vehicle as his center point and finds no evidence of a body or of a trail that Kemp could have wandered off in. And on the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, this officer states that he felt like that he was out there and didn't want to be found because it's so wide open that he could have heard the plane. And if he was in duress, he could have easily been seen. Yeah. Yeah, a pilot's going to fly for two hours circling. And if the man wanted to be found, he had every opportunity to go out, wave his arms, do something to be found. And he simply doesn't do that. No, and they state that approximately six miles away from the vehicle, they find three of Don's socks in a barn next to a pile of wood. Well, you you left out before that, they actually find a bag full of his clothes. That's right. a tea kettle as well. And along then, the same stretch of footprints that they were tracking. And then basically three days after he disappears, the search ends because a blizzard rolls in. Yeah. Well, in the barn, they're going to find three of his socks and they're going to find wood stacked up clearly to build a fire. I mean, there's no other way to stack the wood. You know, well, he wasn't building a shrine. He right. was building a, a fire. fire. Yeah. But it was unlit. And so the family makes some inquiries as to what kind of searches are going on. And the sheriff of the county that he goes missing in is a little shady, in my honest opinion, just by watching the episode. And y'all can find it on YouTube just type in Don Kemp Unsolved Mysteries and it pops up. It's the first story. But the police or the sheriff had called off the air searches even though a neighboring county stated that they would help using their plane as well. And the family asked the sheriff if search dogs could be used and the sheriff told them no. What? Yeah. The family quickly learns that search dogs were available one police district over and Don's mother becomes convinced that he has been abducted, and it's it's re- that's some shady ass shit. And and during the unsolved mysteries thing, the sheriff says, "Well, he just wandered off and died in the elements." That's it. What? No. Yeah, he the sheriff states that he believes, in his opinion, that Don died in the blizzard and remained in his uh, resting place for four years until his body's found. And it's not, I think it's three miles from his, from where the, three miles. yeah. And so five months after his disappearance, two separate witnesses come forward and say that they saw Don in Cheyenne, Wyoming and Casper, Wyoming. And this may be the first weird thing, not what the fuck, but Don has a friend back in New York that receives a call. No, she she said six calls. 
she returns from vacation and there are six voice uh answering machine messages i won't you don't use voicemail back then answer machine answer stop about that thing yeah <laughs> make fun of me that's it six answer machine messages and she is one thousand percent convinced that it's Don on the phone. And the police trace the call back to a trailer yeah. in Wyoming. In Casper, Wyoming. Where he's been seen. Yes. And the trailer owner, no, the man renting the trailer, his name is Mark Dennis. And so police attempt to question him and he's like, nope, don't know him. Ain't got any idea. Blah, 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 blah. Three weeks after they question him. Mr. Mark Dennis packs his shit up and moves away. The police tell Don's mother that they didn't have enough evidence to search his homestead, which I find a little disconcerting. Now, Don's mom is on record stating that she feels like Mark kidnapped Don. Don's sister, however, disagrees and she states that the man came across Kemp's personal papers somewhere along the way and basically made a crank call. Well, okay, so somehow this guy came across his papers because what well, we 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 actually did leave out that before his disappearance he visits a museum in um where did he go? Wasn't it in somewhere in Wyoming? It was definitely in Wyoming. It was, um, okay. He spends like two or three hours in this museum. In a museum, yeah. Trying to... He visits a museum in Cheyenne, and, uh, he, uh, he walks around for two hours. He's reported to walk around t- for two hours. I don't know who exactly is reporting that, but, okay. He doesn't speak to anybody, but he actually, he accidentally, or on purpose, leaves his attache case... It has his traveler's checks, has his ID, has money, it has everything in it. Doesn't it have his notes for his book, too? Yes, it does. And that will come into play later. Mm-hmm. Now, she states that... But what I'm trying to say is, going back, is... So, somebody in Casper, Wyoming, that's from Casper, Wyoming, finds his, his attache case or whatever... Gets his information, makes a crank call to his friend, but happens to sound just like him. Just like him. That's kind of well. And another thing, and I don't know, I, I don't buy that for a second. So the family was disturbed to find out that Don and Mark were damn near identical doppelgangers, based on high school yearbook photos. Now I don't know, but that's high school yearbook photos, and you don't know if if. Uh, that is goes on into adulthood or not well as i know sadly personally is when you graduate from high school you after that you tend to gain weight <laughs> yeah get wrinkles <laughs> hair grows from places so, that you don't did think. they all, did they both uh gain the freshman it was supposed to be freshman 15 but for me it was like the freshman 45 <laughs> and then it got worse from there so So three years after Don goes missing, a group of hunters find his body, and it is within three miles of his Chevy Blazer. 
In an odd twist, the Smithsonian Institute offers to examine his body to try and determine a proper cause of death. The actual head of the anthropology department at the Smithsonian looks over the corpse and estimates that Kemp was probably dead no longer than one to two years. The body showed no evidence of animals disrupting it and was in near perfect condition. Now, let's pause for a second. This is not some local medical examiner. Yeah, this is not a local medical examiner, coroner, funeral home embalmer. This is the head of the fucking anthropology department at the Smithsonian stating he was dead no longer than one to two years. However, they didn't find his ass for three more years. That don't... Even in Georgia, that math don't add up. Well, so... So, let's let's look at the, the facts. We've got... The Smithsonian anthropologist says he's been dead no more than two years. He's found three years after he disappeared. We have phone calls from Casper, Wyoming. We have sightings in Casper, Wyoming. If I was a betting man, he was in Casper, Wyoming. I would agree with that 100%. But now we have to deal with the fact that, okay, how did he get back to three miles away from his wreck and died from... They didn't say. They did say that in the autopsy, they did find a small hole drilled into his skull. And the doctors and the head of the anthropology department could not conclude what created it. Attempts to duplicate said puncture could not be attained. The family was extremely curious in how the institute had heard of Don's case as it was not widely publicized. That's a great question. How does the Smithsonian even get involved? And then offer. The Smithsonian contacted that sheriff and offered to do... Yeah, that's crazy. It is. How do they know? Now, this is not the end of the high strangeness. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is why it was the first ever segment on Unsolved Mysteries, because this is fucking crazy. Following his death, his belongings were stolen on several occasions. First, as the SUV slash Chevy Blazer was being driven back home, it was broken into. Who drove it home? I don't know. It doesn't state. Then, while the vehicle was parked at an airport, another break-in occurred. This time, papers relating to his Lincoln research were stolen. Then his mother says that a storage unit was broken into and more of Don's things were taken. Jesus. So the family decides to take the remainder of his Lincoln paperwork slash Civil War paperwork and give them to a historian. That man, shortly after receiving those papers, dies in a strange motorcycle accident. Another package of his Lincoln research was sent to a man named Frank Carrington. He, too meets an untimely death in a house fire only weeks after receiving said information. Jesus Christ, man. Once all of Don's papers and research have been either stolen or destroyed, 
the break-in stop. So, Don's sister, being the astute-minded and non-retarded part of the family, states... Stop. I know you love the fact that I use that word. Stop using the R word, man. <laughs> Come on. Jesus Christ. States that she is convinced that her brother uncovered something huge during his studying, putting together his Lincoln's death book. My question is, what could possibly be so mind-blowing and groundbreaking in 1982? You're going to figure something out about the Lincoln assassination that requires the whom whomever to off you. Well, and what's funny is... 1865, man. Who Like, though everyone involved is dead. True, but now, this is where it gets crazy. The sister states that the family of Dr. Samuel Mudd, the famous doctor who helped John Wilkes Booth after he broke his leg, leaping from the theater's balcony, had contacted Don... And he had received paperwork that they had hoped would exonerate John Wilkes Booth. But even so, okay, John Wilkes Booth didn't do it yet. He, but clearly he fucking did. Okay, I didn't shoot the president, but I jumped off the fucking balcony and broke my ankle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I read about the Lincoln conspiracies, but I just don't see how any. There's nothing. I can think of that you can uncover in 1982 about a 120 year old assassination that's going to be so mind blowing and so controversial that someone's going to have to kill you to keep it silent. Well, what I found fucked up is. I I mean, all the things that happened in the government. That the government has pulled off the Tuskegee experiments. We know about that. We know about, you know, uh, the CIA dosing people with LSD. LSD. We know about these things many, many, many years after they happen. What could possibly have happened? Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, going on that, it's not like Lincoln's assassination doesn't have the conspiracy theory following that JFK's assassination has. Now, there are some pockets out there that will state that Lincoln's assassination is nefarious and was carried out by other members of Lincoln's cabinet. And we won't get into that. That's for you to dive into. Um, the biggest question I have is did law enforcement keep track of this Mark fella after he moved out of the state? I mean, this fucker picks up and moves three weeks after they question him. Yeah. The the, the phone calls come from his trailer. He, uh, he claims to not have known Don. He doesn't know who, who he is. He has never met the man. He speaks to the mother at one point, and he hangs up on her. She call because she calls him a liar. He hangs up on her, and then he moves away. He's gone, like a fart in a dust storm. Yep. I, I, Where did he go? Yeah, that's What's my he thing. What's he doing now? Nobody keeps track of it. 
Mm -mm. Because the local authorities are convinced that Don simply died from exposure. And just walked out there. I had a psychotic break is what the sheriff states, I think, is he had a mental break on the episode. He had a mental break and just said, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to tell you right now, for the record, if I ever have a mental break, I'm going west and I'm becoming a hermit. I'm not killing myself and walking Mm -hmm. out barefoot, naked, in a prairie in Wyoming. I'm telling you, if that happens to me, I'm going to Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's where you need to look for me. (laughs) I loved (laughs) Did you really? I love that place, man. It was awesome. That's where we're retiring, folks. Just send the checks to uh, <laughs> mysteriousbrews@gmail.com. If Arlo gets on a podcast without me and says that I have somehow disappeared, and you happen to listen, go to Hot Springs, Hot Springs, Arkansas. If you're from there, being the avid waterfowl hunter that I am, I'm going to track you down and feed you duck. You say that. You, you've been waterfowl hunting for, since I've known you, you've never given me one piece of duck. Well, it wasn't until like six months ago that you said that you really wanted some. I fucking love that shit. Well, guess what? Season just opened last Saturday, so I'm going to hook you up. <laughs> well, good. Now, <laughs> someone on sitcoms online said that this had all the earmarks Earmarks. 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 Earmarks of a carjacking. 40 miles out in the middle of fucking nowhere. We're just hiding in a ditch waiting for some fucker to drive up next to a stop sign. I don't think so. Maybe they followed him. Okay, so if they did follow him, who's following him? Is it someone that he pissed off? Road rage? Is it kind of like a Brandon Lawson thing where we think that he cut someone off? Well, if it's road rage, I mean... That would explain the fact that maybe he was abducted and maybe he was beaten, tortured, or whatever. And the fact that all his things were found scattered around because they were trying to rob him, you know. But that doesn't exactly answer the question of the phone calls and the sightings. I mean... The sightings is what kind of like throws me off. I don't... I don't buy into it, man. I really don't. Well, and I don't put a whole lot of credence in it, but a lot of people point to the fact that he is, his shit is strewn everywhere because they were looking for his research notes. But like you stated, I mean, I mean come on. What, what? What, to what end? Yeah, seriously, what could he have possibly uncovered and how that would... That would encourage people to kill him. Someone had stated on, uh, I think it was Web Sleuth, that he may have uncovered that John St. Helen and David E. George were both aliases of John Wilkes Booth, and that Booth was not killed when they stated he was. What's funny is, supposedly, this uh, John St. Helen had reported to Finnis L. Bates, and yes, that is the same Bates of Kathy Bates. That is her grandfather. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, On his deathbed, he tells Finnis that he is John Wilkes Booth, and I am the assassin of President Lincoln. 
Wait, wait, wait. Run that back for me one more time. All right, so again. there's two chasing this rabbit with the, he stumbled across something with the Lincoln assassination. So chasing the Lincoln assassination thing, according to a Discovery Channel series called Mummies Unwrapped, facial recognition has shown that John Wilkes Booth's face matches John St. Helen and David E. George. The researchers ran the images of St. Helen, George, and Booth through a computer and found that there was a strong possibility that these three individuals were the same man. So this facial recognition technology used on Booth, George, and St. Helen indicate that they are likely to be the same person. And just before John St. Helen passed away, he tells Finnis L. Bates, I am dying, my name is John Wilkes Booth, and I am the assassin of President Lincoln. He states that after he says this, he tells Finnis that the assassination was masterminded by Vice President Andrew Johnson. And that Johnson allegedly gave him a password allowing him to escape the manhunt that ensued. Finnis was a Texas lawyer and says that Hmm. Helen confessed to him that the man who was killed in the Virginia barn was passed off as the assassin so that the soldiers who tracked him down could claim the reward. Hmm. And the man who's buried in the Booth family plot in Baltimore is innocent while the John the real John Wilkes Booth lived another 38 years but like you had stated previously everybody's passed away and it's not yeah, like even, the JFK yeah, assassination. It's yeah. not fresh enough, and even I know that's if, 50 years old, yeah, but... Even, even if everything that well, you just stated is 1,000% true, who, at this point, who cares? I mean, is that enough to... Who, who, who's going to care enough? What part of the government? Because we're, we're clearly going to assume it's the government. Well, this person that stated what this theory... What part of the government's going to say that that isn't important enough? This was Andrew Johnson's descendants, or yeah. both descendants. But hell, I mean, it's been over a hundred years. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man. I don't get it. I mean, I, I think it's... That's pl- very plausible, but vi- highly unlikely. I think, it's, I think it's plausible that Johnson may have had something to do with it, because Lincoln, in his... Uh, it may have been his flawed thinking or whatever was trying to unite the country by uh, choosing a Democrat to be his uh, running mate and vice president while he, in fact, was a Republican. Yeah, but back then, though, that whole he didn't have a whole lot of say. They didn't have a whole lot of say when it came to their cabinet, to their if you watch that movie where it talks about uh, Lincoln and the cabinet. I mean, he I think he could appoint. Maybe one? No, I mean, he was able to appoint, and that's why that, that, that Team of Rivals book existed, is because he, 
Lincoln really tried to keep everyone satisfied. So I wouldn't say sedated, but satisfied. He said, you know, he wanted to free the slaves. He did, and he said, if he could, but if he could keep the union together by not doing that, that he would. It's a strange thing, but at this, at that point in time, and at this point in time, what person alive would care? Would care enough to assassinate somebody researching Lincoln for a book? I don't buy. If that. the History Channel had done. A series, or not a series, an episode stating that facial recognition had been used. Don't you think they would have went after them first? And And here's why I say that. There's two incidents on the History Channel, Discovery Channel. They're all owned by the same company. One is Dan Aykroyd had filmed a whole series on mysterious, controversial shit. And then he tackles the men in black, and the whole series well, gets canceled. It, it was about, everything he did was about UFOs. And then the guys from UFO Hunters tackled the Dulcie base, and they shut them down. So wouldn't you think they would shut down that whole episode before they murdered some guy that was writing a book? If we're going down that rabbit hole. Well, I mean, yeah, but this is 1982, though. This is... 82? Yeah, this is... The height of the Cold War? <laughs> but I'm saying... Yeah. What were you, three? Hmm? What were you, three? 82? I was one. <laughs> I was seven. No, November 16th, I was two. What I just said? You don't even know how old you are. I was two. So I was seven. Again, though, I is there anyone out there that wants to keep the fact, if it's true... That John Wilkes Booth survived and Lincoln's vice president killed him. Well, I mean, it's possible and plausible, whatever you want to say. But that ain't the point of this episode. No, and that's what the, that's a whole new... Even if that's true, and even if Don Kemp discovered that... Who in the government is going to care enough to literally kill a man over that? I, it just—it really doesn't make sense to me. There are two paranormal connections with this. So Don's sister openly speaks of going to Mary Surratt's, the owner of the boarding house where the Lincoln conspirators gathered with Don and others to meet a psychic for a seance. She states that that night they had a seance and claims that there were electrical malfunctions, the air turns cold, a voice coming from the psychic that was not her own, red marks appearing out of nowhere on the psychic's flesh, and an appearance of an apparition of a woman. The incident spooked the group so badly that the seance was halted and they all got together and prayed until things returned to normal. What? Yas. When was this? Yas. Oh Before his uh, disappearance. Now, Ooh, they're all praying and they state that, or not they, I apologize. The sister states that Don went back to this same psychic for several more seances. 
His sister states that she didn't have the intestinal fortitude to go back after what had happened. Now, the other paranormal connection revolves around the fact that a group of UFO researchers were in the same area as where Kemp went missing. They had been inquiring into local incidents of cattle mutilations. Sidebar. We're going to have to do a cattle mutilation episode. Yeah, there was some recent ones. Um, There's some in Georgia. Uh, Strange Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mysteries of the Month, 2009, uh, November 2019. There's some cattle mutilations out west. And it was only bulls. They're going after the bulls. It wasn't females. Yeah, it was all bulls. So, some in that community feel that the missing time and that the autopsy noted as well as the strange hole in his little head could be indication that Don was a victim of UFO abduction. Does it hold water? Well, according to this article on culturecrossfire.com, it says it does hold water because of a government cover-up on cattle mutilations and UFOs. That's a stretch. That's a very big stretch. So what happened to Mr. Kemp? And this is just general questions in not just to you, Coach. Do you feel that this case has an obvious solution? Was Kemp silenced for his research into the Lincoln assassination? Are all the deaths mentioned with his research just a mere coincidence? Or did that fucker in the trailer have something to do with his death? I don't believe that his research into Lincoln caused his death. I mean, really. So you're looking at, and after, I agree with you, after a hundred years, 1860, and there's been 30 years since Kemp died. So add, I just no, I, I don't believe that for a second. I mean, what benefit would it be to oh, protect the information uncovered by whatever he was researching? I don't, I don't believe that. Conspiracy theory, theory rabbit hole. Does it tie into the Knights of the Golden Circle? What? You've never heard of the Knights of the Golden Circle? I have not. You call yourself a researcher. Well, I mean, come on. Alright, for those of you that don't know, the Knights of the Golden Circle were a group of Confederates that supposedly orchestrated the assassination of President Lincoln and was transporting gold and hoarding gold in several locations to reestablish the Confederacy, and they had moved toward Mexico. Yeah, okay, but what's that have to do with Don Kemp? Did he uncover who was in the Knights of the Golden Circle? What would it matter? I mean, seriously, that's what that's what I keep going back to. After a hundred years, what would it matter? Well, the only thing I could go to would be, it would is matter. it the same thing as it the would, Skull and Bones? It would matter enough to murder a man? Cause I don't buy it. I just, I just don't buy it. No, I agree that, that none of this has an inkling of credibility, <laughs> like we have stated several times before, and we will keep stating <laughs> this. We are here to hypothesize more questions than we answer. 
Well, I mean, let's let's talk let's 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 talk in the scope of reality. What really happened to this man? Let's go about Lincoln. Yeah, let's all right, let's go back to he was kidnapped. If you kidnap him, why don't you take the vehicle? Why don't you turn it off? Why don't okay. you take all his shit? I I agreed. If you kidnap or him, burn that on, motherfucker in the middle of nowhere. Okay, true. But if you kidnap him, why are you make it? Why are you allowing him to make several phone calls several months later to a friend? I agree. Why would and, you assemble wood and socks to start a fire but never start a fire? Well, agreed. If um you've abducted this man. But he's able to escape to make phone calls. Why does he alert the person he's calling? Why does he just say, "Hey, I would like, I really want to talk to you soon"? I mean, none of that makes sense. No, and so a, a abduction to me. Yeah. All right. Let's go with the abduction route. All right. And this is poking holes in that theory. Why would you abduct him? Why would you then do whatever you're going to do to him? Then bring him back, put his body between his vehicle and the cabin. That's a lot of I fucking... Mean, why yeah. don't you just dig a hole? Yeah, for real. He's spotted... There, there's no, You have to admit that there is a connection. There is overwhelming evidence to believe that he was still alive because he was spotted... Two times in Casper, Wyoming, and there were phone calls made to a friend who swears it was him. And the the phone number that was used was traced back to a trailer in Casper, Wyoming. So to me, there's overwhelming evidence that proves that he at least made it to Casper, Wyoming and was alive months after his disappearance yeah and here's a theory or not really theory these are questions posted by a member of that sitcoms online forum and the screen name is n8 riley and they state that whatever happened the police seem to stay to say they started out thinking he wandered off and while most likely correct the investigation should have started off thinking the worst possible just in case it was another thing that they wonder is when the blazer was moved and transported out that the pilot slash sheriff's officer that's doing the search says and I quote and on the third day I think he wanted to get out but it was too late End quote. And then they state, I mean, where does this theory come from? Where? And then they touch on the phone records, and the police say they were content it was just some error that Don left the messages from the phone number and that the phone company made a mistake and that the police are content with it, that explanation when you try to explain the phone calls. Again, more questions. But like you said, those phone calls are made after he disappears, but before the body's found. There are 251 pages to the sitcom's online theory. So, by all means, people, jump in. As I stated in our last episode, jump in tits deep. Let's go with our theories. Yeah, it is, because... I don't have a fucking theory. I don't know what the fuck happened. 
because a close friend receives voice message. If if you call me, if you call me and leave several voicemails, I'm going to recognize your voice. Yeah. Because we're close enough. Yeah. That I will recognize your voice. But supposedly you've been dead three days after you disappeared. This is five months after you disappeared. I recognize your voice. And the Smithsonian Institute states that you were only dead for a year two max. Yeah. And we trace the phone calls to a trailer in Casper, Wyoming, a hundred and some odd miles away from where your truck was found, your SUV was found, yet you have been sighted there two times. And you visited a museum there and spent two hours and left your attaché. No, that was in Cheyenne. That was in Cheyenne. I thought it was Casper. No, no, no. Okay, that I, was apologize. In Cheyenne. No, I apologize. I no, apologize. No. Yeah, that was before he disappeared. You're getting... You're getting ahead of your own self. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of Garth Brooks, The Beaches of Cheyenne. That's a great song. It is. Is there beaches in Cheyenne? No. <laughs> I do want to go to the rodeo days in Cheyenne, though. That's one of my bucket list items. They have like a week-long thing. It's like a rodeo, concerts, all that stuff. I really want to go. I just want to go for the food. Yeah, I'm a foodie. That too, too. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm a fat motherfucker. <laughs> you think I ain't there for the food? <laughs> but... Back to Mr. Kemp. Here's what I think happened. Okay. I think for some reason he is looking for something in his vehicle, puts it in park, can't find it, or he does find it, and decides to walk out, clear his head, out into the prairie, and something mentally happens where he just sits down and I'm going to take a nap because I'm tired. And succumbs to the elements. Really? Well, I mean, even, it makes as much sense as anything else. Well, I mean, even though the Smithsonian him. says that he was dead for less than a year, two years, and even though it was three years after he disappeared. I mean, you ignore all that? Sure. Really? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why the fuck not, you know? This is a baffling, baffling case. If you just take on this... If you just look at the facts, they have footprints leading away from the vehicle in the snow. They do an aerial search. They can't find him, a body, nothing. And it's a prairie. It's not like there's wooded areas where he could hide. And then you go to the fact that his body shows signs that he was only dead two years max, but his body's found three to four years after he disappears. I don't know. I mean, this really is one of the most odd cases out there. Well, I mean, let's look at, let's look at, well, maybe he just, you know, the the pilot that said that he was looking for him, that he had every opportunity to expose himself if he wanted to be found. So let's look at the fact that maybe he did just simply run off into the prairie and avoided detection. The question now is, why would he do that? I don't know. I, and then you go to the socks in the wood, but a fire never started. Yeah. If you assume the sheriff's, if you if you believe the sheriff's uh, sheriff's assumption that he uh, he 
didn't want to be found. He avoided contact with the people trying to rescue him. And then two or three days go by and he realizes he's definitely in trouble. Tries to make it back to his car. Can't and dies of exposure. How do you explain the phone calls? Or the fact that his body's... Or the fact that, yeah, exactly. The fact that his body has been determined to be, to have been dead one to two years. That's 365 days unaccounted for. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, gee, that's, that's strange. Extremely. All right, let's touch on the fact that the guy in the trailer and the sheriff state that the phone company made a mistake. That yeah, that, that's so strange to me. The fact that the phone calls to the friend that she swears is Don were traced back to a trailer in Casper, Wyoming, where Don was sighted two separate times. And the man that rents the trailer, when called, I mean, uh, by the friend, rather, she asked to speak to Don. He says, Don is out. He's not here right now. And then someone calls and impersonates Don. Yeah, this is Don. Where's, and I'm like, where's that? It was in an article I read, that, or maybe it was on the Unsolved thing, that they were, someone had, I think it was the friend that had called back after that and called again and said, can I speak to Don? This is Don. And then, no, I'm just messing. He's out. That so might again, be the same phone call. Yeah, and again, though, all of that together just leads more credence to where the fuck is this son of a bitch at? Yeah. But he's going he's gonna to change his story uh, to the mother. He's going to say that... He's never heard of Don. He doesn't know anything about this disappearance. And then states at a later time, he's going to state that he only pays the bill. He don't know who the fuck makes phone calls here or not. Yeah, why would you make that? Just don't say nothing. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's so this 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 case is crazy. Simply because there's so many questions. Again, this is the whole fucking point of this fucking podcast. <laughs> we don't answer anything. Every episode, we end up pissed off. Pissed off, pissed frustrated. Off and frustrated. Because we would love to say, oh, he froze to death three days afterwards. But then you have, then what the fuck's going on in uh, Casper? Why the phone calls? Why, and why the denials? Why 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 this? Why that? That's just and like I stated earlier, this is not a local coroner stating he passed away. The body shows signs of him passing away one to two years. This is the the head of the anthropology department at the Smithsonian. And why does the Smithsonian get involved? Yeah, how, how, how the it, fuck do you? That? I mean, if the Smithsonian reach out to Bumblebutt, Wyoming. <laughs> Hey, we'd like to take a look at this. Bumblebutt. That's a good term. <laughs> so, again, we didn't answer shit. We pose more questions. We recommend you chase all of these theories. Look on sitcoms online. Just uh, get on your little Google machine and type in Don Kemp. Sitcoms online. Reddit. Unsolved Mysteries. Any of those. And chase your own. Like I, I stated. Don't know, I don't know what happened to this man. But I believe that he did not 
die three days later. No, hell no. I don't know what transpired that caused his death, but he did not die three days later. All right, so we get into our recommendations, and I'll let you uh, kick us off. Who, me? Yeah, buddy, you. I am going to recommend the webpage unsolved.com which has the archive of every case Unsolved Mysteries has covered which I have zero doubt that we're going to cover several more from, from their archives but that's just the way it goes if you look at the archives you can see every single case they cover in alphabetical order and when you click on it they'll give you the details and then at the bottom you can click on the YouTube link to see the episode in which they the the uh, case is covered but they cover the episodes with Dennis Farina YouTube has Dennis Farina's episodes Don Kemp himself was the very first case covered on the pilot episode which is not on YouTube, as far as I know. Right. And this but, was covered by the... They were going to let Mr. Raymond Burr himself do this, but I guess they decided, or Raymond decided, no. Yeah. So for you to cover this on the first episode, and it not to get more publicity than it has, yeah. is crazy. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I will make the recommendation of a, another podcast, and this is Apple for the Teacher podcast, and it is hosted by a teacher about teachers and the school system, the good apples and the bad apples, and they are out of Queensland, Australia, in the town of Brisbane. Yeah, she's pretty good. I listened to two episodes, and she covers everything. I mean, us being teachers is very interesting to know certain crimes that have been committed within a school and shit we could do a podcast we could do 20 episodes on that yeah for real but she's covering it for us and we thank her for it and it's a very good podcast so very well done yes give it a listen alright coach you got anything else no I'm good alright well ladies and gentlemen hopefully your turkey day was magnificent and Deuces.